Hello, everybody. This is a Shift M podcast, uh, episode number four, and uh, I have a special guest today. It's Jakob Fein from the United States, as far as I understand. And uh, we have about 45 minutes to discuss management or project management in software projects. So, Jakob, say a few words about yourself. Hello, how are you? My name is Jakob Fein. I live in New York and uh, I'm a co-founder of two companies actually. One of them is consulting called Farada Systems and the other one is a product company called Surance Base. The first one is, uh, as I said, consulting and the second one is we create a product for insurance industry. The first one was created in uh, 2006 and the second company was created in 2009. Mm -hmm. I, I wrote a bunch of books. I don't know if it's relevant in this podcast. Well, well, yes, it is. Well, I, I can say a few words about you because I was investigating your profile over the last few days and you wrote books about programming. I found that you're a Java champion, which is quite important title, and that you are speaking at many conferences time to time. So that's really make you, you know, not a regular programmer or a manager, as far as I understand. But my main question, the first one, which I want to ask, well, actually, I have, I have a kind of problem because when I, when I was watching your presentations about management, I more agree with you than disagree, which makes it more difficult for me to interview you because I, I kind of agree with you in most places. But I, I, I found actually some places where I disagree, and I will ask you about that. But my first question is, what do you think in general about managers? Are they good creatures or they are our problems, and are you one of them? You consider yourself as a manager, as a project manager. Well, uh, I think that they are, they are needed, first of all. Second of all, I think uh, it depends on the manager. Uh, some managers are problems and some managers are not. The thing is that a manager is a person who oversees the uh, development of the software. And uh, this manager can be Easier helpful for the developers in terms of like providing directions, uh, making sure that priorities are set, making sure that deliverables will meet the deadline. Uh, but some people are just the managers who try to pass their problems or maybe their management's problem down to the software development, which is uh, which presents a problem. Mm -hmm. So, you, so you're saying that we have good managers and bad managers and then we have to be, I mean, you want to be a good one and bad ones are just bad ones, right? Not that I want to be, but uh, I have to manage people. This is what happens. But this is not my dream career, so to speak. I do it because I have to, but I'd rather not to. So you, you, would, you would prefer to, st to stay on the technical side? Right. And, and actually, I do a lot of technical work as well. Mm -hmm. But uh, in see in my in in my case it helps in understanding of developers, but it's it's not a requirement. In my opinion, a manager doesn't have to be a former software developer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've heard you you were saying that in your presentation. My manager sucks. That you were saying that the manager should not be a programmer, and it's a good thing if he or she is not a programmer, right? I didn't I didn't say it's a good thing. I said, I said it's not a requirement for a manager on IT team to be a former programmer. This is what I'm saying. Some people come from um, software development. See, at some point in uh, every, every software developer's career, he or she asks himself or herself, mm -hmm. um, how many years, how many more years will I write code? Because in my long career, I've been writing these if statements uh, back and forth. And the programming at some point became a routine. I mean, obviously, new software comes around and I, I learn how to quickly master this new software. But in the end, uh, it's writing if statements, in my opinion. And it's for some people, it may become boring. Even they, when it becomes boring, some of them become manager. In some cases, uh, in some cases, uh, the executives of the company don't have a 
chance to find a professional manager. So they try to find, say, a lead programmer, and they will say, from now on, John, you're going to be a manager. And John may or may not be happy with this decision. You're saying, so you're saying that technical people like programmers, they're basically that the longer they stay in the, in the company, they, they make more and more routine job there. Did I get it right? At some point, any programmer, if, if he doesn't change places, and he becomes, he assumes that he knows everything about the software. And actually, he becomes comfortable with the software. And uh, he becomes, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't use the word lazy, but there is not too much motivation of improvement. I see that specifically in larger uh, companies, in larger enterprises. They think that they are there for life and they don't grow that much as software developers. So when the opportunity comes to become a manager, uh, they, they go for it. Uh -huh. So instead of changing the company, instead of finding a new project, you would recommend to become a project. So it's kind of a logical step after a programmer is a project manager. I don't recommend that because I, this is not what I do. I, I spend many, many years working as an independent consultant, and I am not afraid of going and looking for a new job, for a new contract. I'm not afraid of passing interview, but uh, people are different. So for some people, it's the worst nightmare to go and look for a job. So they would be happy to stick to the current employer for as many years as possible. And then within that organization, they want to build their career. Maybe they will become manager. And the, the management is more fun, you think? The management job is more interesting than this? Maybe management is also going to be boring if it's the same company, the same team? Or it's, uh, in my opinion, it's uh, a livelier job because it requires communication with many people. When I worked, for example, as an independent uh, consultant, I know myself, I know my skills, I know that I depend on myself and only on myself. But in case uh, when you have to manage a team of people, it's not uh, only you who can uh, make a project succeed or fail. You depend on many other people. And uh, some people may have conflicting interests. And you as a manager needs to find something to bring them together and deliver, deliver the product. So in that regard, being a manager can be more rewarding and interesting experience than just coming to your desk every morning and uh, writing code. Mm -hmm. Okay, and what do you think about, I've heard that many times, I'm kind of changing the subject a little bit. I'm, I've heard that many times, uh, that's a very famous quote by Napoleon Bonaparte. He said that there are no bad soldiers, only bad generals. So right. do you agree with I, that? I agree with that. and. Um, I've been hearing on multiple occasions that this programmer didn't do this or didn't do that. And uh, in my opinion, it's a fault of a manager. You should not be blaming soldiers. If uh, your project is failing, if something is not being delivered in time, of course, I, I understand that there are some exceptions. Maybe the software is not well defined. Maybe it's very complicated software, but in many cases, it's a responsibility of a manager to make sure that the product is delivered. And when I hear some managers say that John Smith is a, didn't deliver something on time or because of that uh, our project is failing, I think it's a poor manager or bad manager that, uh, you know, that leads to this situation. But what can a manager do? I mean, if the programmer, the manager, for example, manager doesn't know programming, doesn't understand the technology, and then this John Smith shows up and says, I don't, I mean, this doesn't work, it takes more time, so sorry, I planned one week, but it's going to take way longer. How the manager can deal with that? It depends on the company. First of all, uh, I am lucky to work in small company, and I am lucky that we can afford to cherry pick software developers, which not always the case. In our case, um, we don't have junior developers. We have senior professionals who knows what they do and they don't require uh, that much of a supervision. On the enterprise setup, 
Um, at least what I see here in the United States, it's not the case in many, in many situations. Many large companies, they have so-called uh, outsourcing partners. And it's a company given to this enterprise for one or the other reason. And they have to go to those companies and find people from the pool of available workers. These people may not have um, decent skills or skills may be different, but a manager may not have a say. He gets a team and he has to manage it. So that's a completely different story. So if you are the one who, who hired your developers and if you can rely on them, the management portion is very little. But if you are given a team of developers, then you have to work hard and this work may be not uh, very pleasant. And uh, okay, well, let's say I'm a manager, I have a team and this team, well, actually I got this team. I, the people say I inherited the team. So I, I just got the team and I cannot just change these 15 people. And some people just don't deliver, don't do what they have to do. So do you think I have as a manager to punish them somehow to, I mean, maybe not the best, not the best word, but still, do I, what, what would you do? You don't have to punish them. You have to find the reason why they don't deliver. But uh, also I wanted to mention, maybe it's uh, more related to the previous question. What do you do if you are not a former programmer and you need to manage a group of uh, programmers? Yeah. If you are in this situation, uh, first of all, what you, what you should do, you should find or hire a senior uh, programmer, uh, an expert ideally, who you trust. If you trust this person, this person will be like a middleman between you and uh, the team. So this person um, can estimate and judge, uh, uh, for example, what if you can, if you will say, I need this job to be done in two weeks. How do you come up with this uh, two weeks? If you are not a, a former programmer, if you didn't spend time to analyze the business requirements and if you didn't spend time to write a detailed um, estimate. So in that case, having a lead, a technical lead, is super important. So this is what I, what I think. And if a person doesn't deliver, again, if you are a former programmer, you can figure out why. And again, I don't think that punishing developers is a good idea. The only thing that I think is important is to make sure that your developers understand that if they face a problem, they shouldn't fight with this problem alone. And then by the end of the week, when you were expecting something to be delivered to you, that guy, the developer comes to you and say, you know what, on Tuesday, I ran into this situation. I tried to do everything I could. I tried to do it best, but it didn't work out. And that's why I couldn't even do what was expected. So that's, that is important. Developers need to know whenever you have, they have a problem, they need to share with either a more senior developer or with the team. Mm -hmm. But in your presentation, you said, I remember that, you said that you sometimes let people go. So you sometimes fire programmers for some reasons, right? So it but happens. Not, see, uh, we really, it's very rare where we have to fire a person because of his technical abilities. First of all, we try not to hire a person if he is technical and not uh, that great as the job requires. Most likely, again, it didn't happen that often, maybe a couple of times, we fire people because of their attitude, because of their personalities. Because you can teach anyone a syntax of uh, any programming language. It takes longer, it takes shorter, but you cannot teach a person to be a nice man and a good uh, team player. That's kind of hard. And surprisingly, I've seen m more people um, of this, more problems of this kind among senior developers. At some point, senior developers think that they know everything and they become superstar or as we call them, prima donnas. These are the people who are good candidate to be fired. 
Yeah, that's exactly what I want want to know. So there is there is a long I think there is a long period before a person is manageable and and, and works like you expect him or her to work, and then the, the another situation when you're ready to let this person go. So my question is, you don't punish them on this long period. You just wait till the person becomes unmanageable, or you do some kind of I mean, not punishment, but some kind of control and some kind of corrections to the behavior or to the performance of a, of a developer. I, I, I mean, definitely we try. It's not like I'm sitting behind the bushes and then I'm just watching and uh, seeing, aha, he doesn't do it, he doesn't do it, he doesn't do it again, so let me fire him. No. Uh-huh. In many cases, and especially um, this is important, in our reality, when we work with uh, developers who are located anywhere around the world. And um, when you have uh, only online communication with them, uh, in in many cases, mm, it's more difficult than if these people would be working right next to you. So, for example, developers are sitting in some chat, in the common chat, maybe in Skype or anything similar to Skype. And this guy is not around. His uh, Skype icon is not green but yellow. And I send him an, uh, a text message and he is not responding. He is not responding in two hours, in three hours. He never told me where he wanted to go. or Maybe he had a reason to go. So that's the first uh, red signal. If the person is not available and I don't know why, that's the first signal. So in that case, we would tell him, so next time you need to leave for a couple of hours, let us know where you are. Uh, if, if, the, if, if I told him once and twice in third time and this guy doesn't, uh, doesn't uh, change, then of course it's a signal for us, maybe he's a candidate to go. In, other cases, in, in some other cases, we look at how this senior person works with other team members. If uh, these other team members get help from this senior guy, that's great. But in some cases, I've seen that um, we have um, so-called lonely rangers. This guy knows how to do everything, and he does everything, and nobody in the team knows what's going on. And whenever something is required, any help, it's very difficult to get the help from the senior guy. Again, this is a red signal. This is not good. The third reason could be how he behaves with the customers, how he communicates with our clients and customers. We, we try to, to let our clients work directly with our team members, especially with senior team members. If he, if he is not polite in communications, if he um, believes that his issues are more important than the issues of the customers it's also a, a, a flag again we will ask this person we will, we will talk to this person saying this is not the way it's supposed to be but if some people have a personality saying that i know everything but this how how could i be polite to this uh, client if he is saying stupid things uh-huh. well this client is paying your salary so find a way to communicate with the client anyway so you're basically instead of instead of as i call it punishment you're basically talk to these people and try to convince them or teach them or train them to be better right right and many many people many people listen to us and many people adjust their behavior only once in a blue moon I, we run into a person who doesn't want to do this and uh-huh. and, and the reason they don't want to do this because they may live in countries, in particular we have many people from Eastern Europe working, and the job market over there is overheated. So he, he is thinking, oh, why do I need to have problems over here if I can easily find a different job? So, but again, this doesn't happen that often we have people working for us for years. Uh-huh. And, and, and that's another subject which you just mentioned, but I wanted to ask you about it anyway. So you said in your presentation that it's better for you and you, well, I don't remember you said you recommend it, but you said it's better for you that people sit together instead of being remote because they're easily accessible, they're close, you can, con- well, not control, but you can see what they're doing. Is it still true or you? I, I think you, you, you misunderstood me. It's, it's not better, I'm saying. We live in, in a... Um, real world in 2017 it's very difficult for you 
to work in a setup where everybody is sitting together. So for me, it's not a requirement at all. The only thing is uh, you have to have a team again that you trust. You know, our team are working from any location in the world. Oh. And, and uh, we never, ever time clock them. I never ask them or I never question when they say, you know what, I spent three days on this issue. All right, you spent three days, you spent three days. But when did he work? I don't care. As long as he uh, attends the required meetings, sometimes that is required. He can work in the morning, he can work at night. If he needs to take his kid to, uh, to a hospital or something like this, he can take, he can do this. We are good enough technically to understand that this guy really works and we, we trust this person. So this is a reality and uh, I don't think it's an ideal world when everybody has to go to work. I, I live in New York and actually for many years I, I lived in New Jersey and I was commuting to New York. So I was spend, spending between three and a half and four hours every day on commuting to and from work. I mean, total, together. It's a waste. It's a waste. It gets you tired. You're tired when you came to work. And you're tired when you came home. So why? Why doing this? I don't think it's the right thing to do, to have everybody work in the same office. That, that makes sense. But don't you think that this, uh, this kind of a free mode, like you're saying, you can do whatever, your programmer can do whatever he wants. He can spend his time on his own and then just be on the meetings and that's it. But it sounds like lack of discipline. So in a traditional setup, the programmer has to be at nine o'clock in the office, has to leave the office at five. So it kind of disciplines the people and they start and they work better. That's what most books and I don't know, studies say. But you're saying quite the opposite. Just let them do what they want and just Right, but again, don't forget that we are at a luxury to hire, to cherry-pick people. So it's not like somebody gave me a team and I say, all right, guys, do whatever you want. No, I pick these people. And uh, they, they, they are professional and they work. I don't need to discipline them. I'm not their dad. So uh, if, if, they don't, if they cannot do it themselves, if they cannot behave as professional, for us, it's easier to fire them. Okay, let me put it this way. Let's say you have the same team, the same people, and these people will, let's say, they live together in the same city in New York, and they start to go to the office. What do you think is going to happen with their performance? They will work better or worse? I don't think it, they will work better or worse, but they will definitely spend more time wasted on the commute, that for sure. And uh, some people cannot work from home. It could be, it, it could be a case when uh, they live in a small, small apartment and they have small kids, or uh, their wife uh, or a husband uh, bothers them, assuming that if the person works from home, he's actually not working. So some people want to go out. Some people want to leave the house. Some people cannot afford to have a place where it's quiet, where it's, which is their office. So some people cannot do this. And some people, actually many people work more hours when they work from home. So it's very personal. So if, for example, I would have an office in New York and a team of 10, 20 people, if half of them would say, I prefer to work from home and, I, and the other ones would prefer to work from work, let, 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 let it stay this way then. So you think there is no relation between the performance and the place where they actually work, if the, if the place is comfortable for them? Yes, I don't, I don't see any reason. I remember I was working for a company many years ago, Wall Street company in New York, and the, the manager didn't want to let people, their employees, work from home. He would, he, I remember he was saying, we have a meeting and on the background, I can hear how his dog is barking. <laughs> What's the big deal? So that's why he wouldn't let people to work from home. On the other hand, he was having an entire large team uh, in other country, like over, this, over the ocean, 12 hours different. And that's okay with him, right? So those people work from from the distance and the hours are different, but his own people cannot work from home. 
I mean, I don't like that. But I can I can understand that it's kind of well it it I can understand that guy even though I don't think like this guy but it's kind of annoying when you're sitting in the office and you're in this suit and you spend your time in the office and then you call somebody and you imagine that person sitting in the backyard with the dog barking maybe you know in the in the shorts and not properly dressed kind of relaxed so it's kind of the the manager becomes envious I think that's what the problem no so take take off your suits shorts. <laughs> And don't be envious. And uh, if that developer is more productive sitting on the backyard in shorts and having his dog next to him, so w what about and what kind of envious behavior is this manager supposed to show? Isn't the goal of the manager to have a developer the most productive? If that environment is more productive for him, why fight with it? Because you can't afford this? Maybe the manager just doesn't know how to control that people, and he's exactly. just exactly. Uh, you see, you are asking a question. You are asking me questions, and I am talking about myself. I'm not talking about a general manager whose background I don't know. I am telling you how things work in our company. That's it. Uh, maybe it will not work for anyone else. And you're saying that this is because you have this luxury of finding the best people on the market you can, yeah. Right. Yes. You think that, so you think the quality of a programmer, I think you're paying your people also, you know, decent money, not the red average money, but because they're the best people, so you're paying them best salaries, I guess. See, so, uh, again, I'm very pragmatic in this regard. We are paying them, uh, I guess, uh, competitive rates, otherwise they wouldn't stick to us. They, I don't believe, in fact, that... Uh, they they stay in our company because they like me, for example, or for one of my partners. Or everybody has a family. Everybody has to put uh, bread on their tables. Everybody has to cover their bases. So I'm I'm pretty sure if they could find a better package, important. I didn't say better pay. I said better package. Uh, then they would they wouldn't think twice and they would leave. They are uh, professionals, so they are in demand in their markets. And if they stick to us, apparently they like the package. By package, I mean not that we pay for their insurance. They work as contractors with us. We sign agreements with them, and they work as contractors. We, but um, if they believe that there is a value in the fact that, A, they work with good professionals, with people who are technically really good, B, they, they have absolute flexibility. Nobody is, is standing behind their backs seeing what they're doing. And C, they have decent pay. That's a package. They like this package. I remember we had, we had to hire a couple of times of uh, people uh, in that uh, online uh, service that used to be called Odesk, and now it's called Upwork. Mm -hmm. And that company proudly proudly advertise that, you know what, we have a special software that takes snapshots of the screen like every so many minutes, so you will always know how, what the programmer is doing now, even though the programmer is located overseas. I hate this. So what kind of remind is this? If I know that somebody is monitoring me, that I cannot move, that I have to, that I have to have on my screen only thing that I, that are related to work. What if I want to switch? What if I want to read the news? Is it bad? It's not bad. I don't like these approaches. Well, I agree 100%. But another question, which is also interesting, but let's say you have a programmer and you trust that person and he's a professional or she's a professional and then he's supposed to work in the backyard or whatever and then you find out he doesn't tell you that, but you find out that he's also contributing to an open source project of his own. So he's doing something, maybe in the, in the evening time, maybe in the daytime, but you know, you don't know that because you don't control him. You don't see the screen of that person. So what would you, what, what's going to be your reaction in this case? I don't care. If this person can deliver what I expect him to deliver and he can do it uh, faster, that's great. So let him do it. I remember myself. I, um, when I was working as a, a software development, uh, I mean, 100% uh, of my time as an independent, 
I was pretty good at what I was doing. I mean, in the software that I was uh, working with. So if I would be working for a company, for a client, I would physically go to the client. I'd be sitting there. I was able usually to do what, to do lots of uh, tasks, to accomplish lots of tasks, maybe in four hours, maybe in six hours. My manager was always happy because he could compare myself with uh, other people. So what if I, if I wanted to do something else in additional hours for myself, like open source project as you say, I'd be doing it. So that's okay. If your manager is happy with what you deliver, why you're supposed to work eight hours? But many managers and many companies, they don't allow people to do that. And I'm having these discussions with many programmers. They keep asking me this question. So, because I'm promoting the same philosophy you're saying. So I'm telling them, like, look, you have to do something on your own. Write a book. Create an open source project. Contribute to open source project. All the same. But they keep coming back to me and saying, but my manager doesn't allow me to do that. You so know what? Uh, we are not uh, alone. I mean, you and me. Google allows their employee to spend 20% of their time, of their work time on, the, on their pet projects, right? It's official. Mm-hmm. Google, a huge company. So I'm not uh, here like a, a first person who, who allows it. But yeah, we are not Google, of course, but in a small company, you can almost always do this. It depends on the person. A, a manager is a person, and this person can be better or worse. But what would you recommend to these programmers who, who keep asking me this question? So what would you tell them to do? Because they're saying, look, they're paying me good salaries, but they don't allow me to do any open source. So what do I do? What you do, you ask yourself, what are, what are your priorities? And I already mentioned this. Uh, if you have a family, at least for me, a family is my highest priority. And I want to make sure that they maintain a certain uh, quality of living. And if I, if I have to go to work, to you, for example, and you are paying me well, but you don't allow me to do something that I like, then I'll stick to you because you're paying me well. And in the evenings, I will, instead of drinking beer, I will be working on my pet projects or maybe on the weekend. So this is what I would do. And I can tell you the other thing. In my career... I had to switch from one software to the other. Again, I'm going back to being independent. And I remember 1998, I was very good at it. There was a popular software called Power Builder. I don't know if you remember that. Client server, nice UI, but that's besides the point. I realized back then that uh, I need to switch to some different software because Power Builder was going away. So, but at that point, I was making really good living because I was very good at Power Builder. I had no problem finding job contracts and everything. But I need, and and I decided to switch to Java back then. So I decided, yes, I need to switch to Java, which was a completely different world. Application server, what is that? (laughs) For a guy who is in the client server, what, what do I have in the client server world? I have a UI tool, which I know well. I have SQL database and which I know well and that's it. Now all of a sudden there is a server and there is something called servlets and enterprise Java beans. I had no clue how to put all these things together. But I knew that if I will switch from that power builder software to Java, I need to switch without um, losing in pay. I was a senior uh, programmer in the software A and I want to, be, to get the next contract using the software B without losing in pay. Nobody would allow me to learn Java at work. I did it in my own time, and in, then I paid my own money. I took a, a week off, and I paid, I remember, like $2,500 back then in 1998, and I, on myself, enrolled into a class. I remember back then it was a guy from WebLogic uh, App Server. Uh-huh. It was a five-day training, five-day course, and everything started to make sense. And I learned this new ideology, plus having my previous experience in other software. Now I could sell myself with a new one. Mm -hmm. So there is a way, if you want. 
So if the people are interested in open source, they have to find a way to do it. You would recommend not to stop that, but keep doing it, even though the manager is saying no. Of course. If you cannot do it uh, during working hours, if you cannot do both, I mean, uh, uh, do the, uh, the task that is given to you by the manager. If you have extra time, work on the open source. If you can't, do it in your own hours. But op working on open source is definitely beneficial for any program. Mm -hmm. Okay, and one more thing which also triggered my interest in your previous, in the things you said. Uh, you said that if the people don't, are not happy with the project, are not happy with the company, uh, and they are not working there because they like you, they're working there because the whole package is good. And if there's somebody else offers a better package, then they will just switch and you admit that, you kind of realize that. But yeah. many people are saying that uh, a management, a good manager, is the one, is the person who can convince people to work in this project and get a full commitment from them and get a full loyalty because, uh, because that person, that manager, inspires them that much and they love him and her and the project and everything. And they will stay with the project even though the package is not as uh, attractive as the packages offered on the market. So what do you think about this philosophy? I don't, I don't, I don't believe in this. Again, is this maybe a very pragmatic approach, but I think every person I work with has similar desires and responsibilities that I do. How can I say to the guy, you know what, John, work for me for $50,000 a year. It's a great product and I will teach you software X and software Y instead of, and don't go across the street where they will pay you 10,000 more. I, I cannot do this. I don't think it's fair. I mean, people are not stupid. When I read uh, things about the, the Google company again, I, I read that mm, they offer you free van and that van has a Wi-Fi and they have a laundry in the facilities and they give you free food. Being a practical person, I understand that uh, for so most likely they underpay some people, right? But they give them these nice little things. For some people it's important. It's cool for them to say that I have a free, free food every day. I have a free laundry. I can bring my dog to work. So that's maybe important for them. I've seen people who have different priorities and I, I remember that person, he wanted to have a plate with his name on the door and he wanted to have that corner office in the on the floor that's his goal it's very important it's his priority i maybe don't i'm not agreeing with that but it's his priority it's his choice and for that he would be staying with the company and making his way up the career ladder so different people i cannot say that you can give an advice to everybody that will work with it for everybody Okay, what about your people? You said you have senior people, they're good developers, they're professionals. Will, you, will, will they accept that uh, intrinsic perks, like things which are not measurable in money, but it's like you said, free food, pet-free office and all that stuff instead of money? Or they will tell you like, look, no, just give us the cash and don't bother with this thing. To be honest with you, we never offered free food because they work in their homes. Some people work from Ukraine, some people work from Russia, some people work from Belarus. Uh, and uh, it's hard to offer them free food, to be honest with you. And besides, in those countries, food is very cheap comparing to the money they make. So this is not a perk. And uh, again, if any of our developers uh, uh, will tell me tomorrow I'm leaving, and I had a couple of times this situation, then I will say good luck and we'll remain friends. Uh, so, year. so you're not expecting them to be loyal or committed full to no. like No, who am I to, so why would they be loyal to me? Why, explain me why. Because I am a handsome guy or what? Well, people are, well, that's a good question. Actually, I'm on your side, but I'm trying to play the devil, devil's advocate here. So they may say that, you know what, my job is my like second family. So I don't treat, so don't treat me like a resource. Treat me like a valuable member of the family and I will give you something back. I'll, be, I'll become a valuable member because you don't leave the family when the father has no job. You stay with your father even though the father has no money and you have to live in a poor situation because you love your father, you know. 
No, I don't expect love. <laughs> I believe I believe that uh, our developers enjoy the freedom that we give them. Also, for some of our developers, it's important that when we have a chance, for example, we had a chance on a couple of occasions to um, to offer them to participate in a book, in writing a book. For them, it's an, an advance in their career. We offer them to participate in running trainings, for example. In my opinion, it's an advance. Some people will say, uh, you, you let them do this, they are building their names and they may leave because of that. Now he's a published book author and he will leave the company, maybe. So I wish him luck. But these little things are important, in my opinion. But uh, we don't give free food, sorry. Mm -hmm. well, I don't expect love. No love. And one more thing, which is interesting. So what do you think about this idea that managers, good managers are good leaders? So they have to lead the team forward, not just manage them and tell what to do and control scope and budget and uh, quality and risks, but also to lead them. And the leadership is way more important now than all these project management documents and everything. I've heard that many times. In my opinion, it's a BS. I, when, especially when I go to large companies and they... Uh, come up with different models for, for our company, these three phrases, and they come up with a program uh, that, that employee, like, they should repeat it as mantra. I don't believe in that. Uh, what is a leader? A leader is a guy who you, as a programmer, uh, can uh, learn from. By the way, one of the advantages in our company in my, in my opinion, that programmers can work with some senior guys. In our company, we give, in many cases, when a person joins the team, he is one of the less skillful people in the team. And in my opinion, it's the best thing in the world. If you can be hired um, in a team where you are the least skillful person, you got lucky. You can learn, you can enjoy working in a team with more senior people. So this is another benefit. Another benefit that I think that people see in our company, enjoyment in working with high-level professionals. And again, they are absolutely free to go any minute if they will find a better deal. It doesn't happen often still, but again, I will I'll wish them good luck. I will, not try, I will not try to give them counter offers or anything. I don't believe in that either. So leadership is not uh, an ability to tell stories about beautiful life in five years. No, it's con comfortable and convenient place to work among professionals that you respect. That's what I think makes sense to any, any person, including myself. Mm -hmm. That makes sense to me. Uh, one more thing uh, is a quote I got from your presentation. You said that I love programmers. That's why I'm a good manager. So can you comment on that? Because it, it kind of sounds good to me, but I want to know a little bit more. So what does it mean you love programmers and that's why you're a good manager? First of all, I'm not sure that this is an ex the exact quote. Uh, but um, what, I want to, what I want to say that I believe that our profession is unique in a way. So we are, or at least uh, people who, who really believe that this is their profession, we are creative people. We are those who are learning um, the entire career. And uh, I understand programmer, which would be probably more appropriate way. I understand when they are happy. I understand, uh, I remember his, I don't remember his last name, Eric. Eric Ross, maybe, one of the books, he, he said, he was talking about himself, he said, I love the smell of a freshly killed bug. <laughs> I understand this phrase, and you probably also do. Mm -hmm. So I respect developers. I understand what makes them happy and what makes them not. Maybe this is what I meant when I said I love developers. That's why I enjoy talking to them. I can appreciate when they are happy and when they tell me something that they achieved so uh, I'm pretty glad to share with them or to hear their story. One other thing is that uh, we never mentioned over here in this podcast, but I wanted to bring this up. There is a term called manage the manager. Mm -hmm. This is important for developers, uh, important skill 
to acquire. What do I mean by this? I'm, I'm sure you've been working in teams where there are some people who speak loud about their successes. And there could be a person who is sitting programming all day long. He's really good, but he would never tell about what he fixed and how he accomplished something, how he solved some serious tasks. And this is wrong because managers cannot know everything that is going on uh, in programmer's mind or in a team. So if you are a programmer and if you are accomplishing something technical, you fix something and it helps in a way to the team or it made the application better, talk about it. Manage the manager. Make sure that the manager knows about it. Otherwise, there will be always some other people who uh, have a bigger mouth and uh, they will be visible, noticeable, and they will get promotions, even though you may be better than them, but you are sitting quietly in the new corner and just writing these if statements. But if it happens, if you're sitting in the corner and the manager is not paying attention to you and paying attention to people who are the most loud, it kind of, it's, it's a sign that the manager is not really professional, isn't it? Not necessarily. A manager can be busy with other things. A manager, if, he, if he's not doing micromanagement, he cannot possibly know about every little success that every person made. So mm -hmm. they, everybody is fixing something. There's a list of bugs in your, in your whatever software you use for bug tracking. And they see Mary fixed five uh, uh, bugs and Joe fixed five bugs, but uh, is this five and five? Are these the same? Do you know about it? Or you just uh, do quantity? Mm -hmm. So you're saying it's the responsibility of us programmers to bring our problems up and speak to the manager? Not problems, but successes as well. Mm -hmm. Don't give me problems, give me solutions. This is another <laughs> mem for managers. Uh -huh. Interesting. Okay, and uh, one last question. Uh, you're the manager and you're managing people for many years, but I'm sure you have still some problems or troubles which you still don't know how to solve. I mean, problems in your management. So what, how do you think you need to improve yourself? What, what to learn maybe, what to fix? What, what problems do you have? Can you share them? See, I, I didn't spend enough time on learning all these formal things that enterprise manager is supposed to do. Uh, if you will open up uh, the job searching uh, engine, any job searching engine, and say you want to apply for a manager. Mm -hmm. If I would try to apply for a management position in a typical enterprise, I would never pass through a technical interview because I wouldn't have uh, so many certifications that I needed. I wouldn't be able to write on my resume how I made our company to save uh, $10 million on something. So I am not a typical manager. So in this case, so if you are asking me a way for improvement, which I don't think, I would probably, if I would plan to make management my career and work as an enterprise manager for, for, for the rest of my life, I would have to go and do some formal studying and I would pass some certifications to become a manager that looks good on a resume. Uh -huh. Well, that makes sense. So we can recommend that probably to people who are listening to us and they want to become better managers. Looks like you would recommend that, right? More formal education. Yes, this, this helps, in my opinion. If you are planning to go and work in the enterprise environment. Again, in my case, I work in, in more of a startup environment. So it's a little bit different. And for the startup, what would you recommend to do if they want to become, you know, better managers? Just work from early in the morning to, to the late night. And then you figure out. <laughs> That's all. No so you're saying practical experience is way more important than... Right, right. And again, the older you become, and again, I'm in software for 30 years, you, you learn people, you monitor people, you see, you understand what they want, and they want simple things. So... As you gain your life experience, you become a better manager, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Well, again, sounds like I agree with you. <laughs> Thank you very much, well, then. Yeah. It's, it's unusual for you, Igor. Based on what you are, uh, what messages you are sending, what you are writing, what you are speaking about, you are not a typical 
person. First of all, uh, I don't agree with you in many occasions, but I respect you for uh, being able to speak up and to have an opinion. And it, actually, in this regard, I am also I'm similar to you. Maybe not. I, I'm not that extreme because I'm older than you. Maybe ten years from now, you'll also will come down a little bit. But I never. I was never shy. If I have an opinion that this is white, I am saying this is white. But I have flexibility. If tomorrow somebody will convince me that this is actually black, I will say, yes, now I see it's black. And I will be saying to everybody, this is black. Are you afraid of changing your opinion? Oh, yeah. Well, I change it quite often, of course. Really? Yeah, yeah, oh, many times, yeah. I'm actually happy when somebody convinces me and, can, and we discuss and argue and I'm really interested to change my opinion, of course. But I'm always trying, like you said, I'm always trying to have some opinion because some people just prefer to not have an opinion. So whatever it is, whatever you want, I'll do whatever you say. So today I have one opinion, tomorrow another one. That's kind of wrong. Because it's kind of wrong not to have an opinion. I believe so. So some people call me extreme in some cases because I'm expressing my opinion, but then I'm ready to change it. But every time I have an opinion, I have it. And I'm ready to kind of fight for it. But based on what I've heard uh, in some cases uh, of what you're saying, your opinion may be harmful for young people, for people who are junior programmers. They just learn that Java language. And all of a sudden, Igor comes in and says that object-oriented programming is uh, wrong this way and right that way. But they just learn something. They just make their first step in their career. And all of a sudden, you, you're trying to destroy everything that somebody, maybe a college or maybe someone else uh, taught them. So this may be dangerous. For me, it's fine. I, I can listen to you. I can understand you. And I can uh, split what makes sense to me and what is not applicable to me from what you're saying but you have wide audience and uh, if i want to if, if you want to take one advice from me when next time you are saying something uh, absolutely with confidence this is how things would be done i would just add a little bit if you are just starting if you're a junior developer maybe you shouldn't take me you shouldn't take what I say for granted. Learn your experience, try on your own, and then see if I am right or I'm wrong. That makes sense. That makes sense. I actually am thinking maybe I will write more like blogs or maybe a book for junior programmers or for people who are just entering the market and they want to learn Java. Because I'm getting a lot of emails actually, not a lot, but like quite every, every week probably one email from somebody who is asking me, what I would recommend to do, and I'm just starting to be a programmer, what would you recommend me to do, what to read, what to study? And I have no answer now, actually. So you are right. I'm writing more for senior programmers, and juniors are kind of lost after they read me. So, I, I, again, I'm taking your advice, and this is true. I will try to focus more on juniors and write something for them. All right. Okay. That makes sense. Okay, thank you very much. I think we're yeah, done with the management questions. Thanks for your time. And thank you for having me. Yeah, and I hope to see you once, maybe in the future. <laughs> Thanks a lot.